You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. After the enthusiasm of his meeting with the prophets, which was a part of the third confirmatory sign, after that passed, Saul knew that he would never be satisfied with a further communion without the Lord. And so instead of going straight home to see his father, what does he do? He ascends the hill to spend time in solitary reflection. Listen, that's the work of of the Spirit. We need time with God and with each other. Our instinct in the flesh may be to run to all kinds of places when we face trials or struggles. You may busy yourself with work or surround yourself with friends or family, or maybe you crawl under the covers and hide. Whatever your tendency is, as Pastor Mike will point out in today's message, When you come to Christ, you'll realize that He alone is capable of bringing calm and peace in the midst of any storm that this life brings your way. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9 as he begins his message, Turned Into Another Man. Chapter 10, verses 2 through 7. And what we have recorded for us in verse 2 is the first confirmatory sign. Samuel says to Saul, When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say to you, The donkeys which you went to look for have been found, and now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you because of the period of time that he had uh, left them, saying, what shall I do about my son? So that's the first confirmatory sign. Secondly, verse 3, then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebrinth tree of Tabor. It was located, this particular tree. And by the way, the terebrinth tree was, uh, there were two different a species of this kind of a tree in and around Israel. It was a very large tree with widespread uh, limbs, uh, just kind of helping you to picture what this tree looked like. Well, anyway, you'll come to the terebrinth tree of Tabor, located at that location, and there, three men going up to God at Bethel, in other words, they were going up to Bethel to worship God and offer a sacrifice, will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, 
and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. And then in verse 5, the third confirmatory uh, sign. After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instruments, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. That's where we get the title of this morning's uh, message from. And you will prophesy with them, and you will be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. So in this experience, it would validate all that Samuel had been speaking to uh, Saul about. That is, his being anointed as Israel's first king. And so Samuel told Saul that they would take place in all of these confirmatory signs in a very specified order and in definite places. Thus, they would reinforce and establish the word of the Lord to Saul through uh, Samuel. Okay, so that's what's going on here. Now, uh, Saul, at this point, turns from Samuel, and the Lord changed him. He went from a herdsman farmer to a patriot statesman and warrior. He took on a new disposition, and he began to think of affairs of state rather than the cares of his old life. Now, let's go ahead and take a closer look at these confirmatory signs. Notice there in verse 2, and before we even actually get into and take a closer look at those signs, I want to pass along something to you that I read in one of my commentaries. A fellow whose name was Dr. Hugh Ross, who is actually an astrophysicist from the University of Toronto, and was also, at that time that he wrote this, was president of Reasons to Believe, which was an organization dedicated to providing valid, rational proof of the Bible's reliability, wrote, and I quote, the probability of the events mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 10, these confirmatory signs, happening in the sequence, and as Samuel predicted, would be one in eight million, making allowance for the fact that we do not know the size of the population in the different places through which Saul traveled. And so he comes to this conclusion, only a sovereign God could orchestrate the necessary events with such precise timing and incredible accuracy. So I wanted to pass that along to you. Now, let's take that closer look. Let's go back to verse 2. Let me define what's been going on here. So, Saul en route to Gibeah, just as the prophet said, Saul and his servant met two men near Rachel's tomb. And uh, Rachel there, of course, was one of Jacob's uh, wives. Uh, proclaims Kish's donkeys that is Saul's father, has been found at the very exact location as Samuel uh, defined it. 
So that was the first confirmatory sign. The second sign, which is recorded first in verses 3 and 4, occurred by the terebrinth of Tabor, which I've already suggested was probably a large tree that had become a, a landmark, probably a place where people gathered together, where people uh, met. I'm familiar with something like this. When, we used to, when my wife and I and my family used to live on uh, Maui, on the Lahaina side, I don't know if you've ever been to Maui, but on the Lahaina side, there was also this landmark uh, tree. It was the banyan tree. It was called the banyan tree. And everyone in Lahaina there in Maui uh, would gather there, particularly over the weekends, and uh, they, had, they had built these uh, seats and uh, people would just gather together there. It was right along the ocean uh, front, and people would gather there together. They would eat their lunch there, and uh, many times there were musicians that were playing there. It was a gathering place. So it was a place that was very familiar uh, with people who lived on the uh, island. In fact, I used to seize the opportunities uh, of the church. It was a Calvary Chapel church, uh, where I, actually where I first began my ministry, and where I first... Uh, came into contact with Greg Laurie. Uh, Greg used to come over to the island of Maui, and uh, our church would actually host his uh, radio outreach uh, ministries. And uh, so we were the church that, uh, that did that. But anyway, we would gather together there, uh, not every Saturday, but throughout the month, and some of the musicians who were part of our worship team at the church there at the Calvary, there in Lahaina, would play and it would draw people in, and then I would get up and I would just go for it and preach an evangelistic message. And people would actually come forward and receive Christ. But anyway, it was a landmark. And everyone there on Maui, on the Lahaina side of the island, was very familiar with that banyan tree uh, location. So that's basically what was going on here with the reference to the terebrinth tree there in Tabor. Well, anyway, it was there that Saul met three men, according to what Samuel had said, uh, going to worship God there in the city of Bethel. And Samuel accurately predicted their number, notice there in verse 3, their destination, their greeting, their burden, and the gift that was going to be offered to Saul. So all of this speaks to the supernatural character of Samuel's knowledge that he was passing along to Saul. And then the third sign, the, CERN, uh, the third sign took place at the hill of God. Notice there we are told that in verse uh, 5. And that location, by the way, it's not mentioned here in our text, but I did some research, was actually Tel El Fol, where the Philistine garrison is. So it was a place that at one time had been occupied by a garrison of the Philistines. Well, anyway, then let's go on, verses 5 and 6. Saul would meet a group of prophets who were coming down from the place of worship. They would be playing a variety of instruments and singing to God, and the Spirit of God would come upon Saul, uh, upon Saul mightily and change him into another man. And notice also, according to our text, we are told he would begin to prophesy. Now, what are we talking about? How that he would uh, prophesy. Well, in other words, his words would be inspired by God. And isn't that exactly what prophecy uh, is? Uh, either 
uh, predicting the future or exhorting other people. Because really, what is prophecy? It's just the method by which God speaks to man. He uses instruments like, for example, I trust that God is using me as his instrument to speak to you. And yes, he's using my words, but I've just become a conduit through which God can speak to you as we study the scriptures. So there are two different aspects to prophecy. Prophecy, the telling of the future, or exhorting other uh, people. And by the way, this is a gift that I covet. And any of us who stand behind a pulpit and teach God's word should also cover this gift. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit of God. Because we are appealing to God to use us to speak to other people through us. So this is a gift for those of you who are aspiring to be uh, teachers that we should cover, that we should ask God uh, for. So anyway, Saul would be given a new heart, a new power to carry out the desires that had been growing within him, the result of his meeting with Samuel. And so the Spirit of God had awakened him to the greatness and responsibilities of this new position as king over Israel. But, you know, if you think about it, this is very much like our own conversion experience in a different kind of a, a way. But think about it. When we invite Christ to become our Lord and Savior, and we are born again of the Spirit of God, at that moment we are given new desires, a new aptitude, and also a new appetite. That is for the things of the Spirit of God. We are transformed. And notice, uh, this is indicated by, uh, by the, the different things that Saul is now participating in. Notice here, he is singing. He is praising God. And this is amazing. You see, God gave to Saul what he lacked by training. Remember, when we were first introduced to Saul, he had no inclinations whatsoever concerning spiritual things. This wasn't something that was instilled within him by his family. And so God now gave to Saul what he lacked by training and heredity. So there was a new power within him that was at work. And folks, I'm here to tell you it's the very same power that's working within you and me right now. Okay, let's go back to our text now. And let's pick up, let's jump ahead a little bit verses 11 and uh, 12. And then it happened when all who knew him, that is Saul, formerly, you know, that he wasn't, he didn't have any aptitude for spiritual things, but now all of a sudden there's this dramatic change within his life, formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets the, that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? And so those who knew Saul previously were amazed by what they saw and heard. As I mentioned before, they knew Saul wasn't a spiritual man. That is before this experience. And from that time onward, the expression, is Saul among the prophets, became a proverb for what is most unlikely to occur. 
Now, I'll give you a, a contemporary uh, example of this uh, today. Like, for example, you're sharing with someone about something that may uh, be happening or something that's going to happen, and the person is amazed and will say, yeah, that'll happen when hell freezes over. You've heard that proverb used before, right? The impossibility, the improbability of something like that happening. Well, that's, that, that was the phrase that they used as it related to is Saul among uh, the prophets. And so anyway, God gave to Saul this inner disposition to fulfill the tasks of a king. He empowered him. He equipped him as he had done with the judges uh, before him so that Saul would be able to deliver his people and all who sought to oppress them. And folks, I got to tell you something. God is still doing this today, and particularly amongst his people, uh, Israel. You know, several years ago, when Israel, and this hasn't stopped since then, but back then, when Israel was constantly being attacked by their many surrounding enemies, uh, the way that they defended themselves, the way that they went on the offensive, was just absolutely amazing. Uh, to me. And uh, even today, you think of how you know, small Israel is, but the capacities that they have to be able to defend themselves. Well, back then, during that time, uh, in the middle of one of those conflicts, on a news broadcast, I heard, who was then, and even today, the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, spoke about how Israel, though a small nation, would never be intimidated. Uh, and he spoke of his and the people's resolve. And in that uh, message that he had shared on that news broadcast, as I was listening, I was amazed. And I thought, how brilliant was this man? And how wise? And I thought that this is God's anointed. And I believe that God actually anointed Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, picking up in this story, during 9-11, uh, many of you who were around, I don't know if many of you, there were some that were around and were members of our church back during 9-11. We were one of the few churches who had, had received uh, ground zero uh, access, and myself and some of the other members of our church actually served as chaplains. Uh, at the respite center down at St. John's University that was very close to uh, Ground Zero. But we were also had access to the, the heat piles, and uh, we ministered to the firemen and the police officers who uh, served on the bucket brigades. And before they went out to look for bodies amongst the rubble, we uh, prayed for them, and after they came out uh, from the uh, rubble, we uh, prayed for them uh, again. Well, uh, during which time, after a while, they erected this observatory platform, and they would bring different officials from all, of the wor all over the world uh, to come to see and view the devastation that was a part of that attack upon uh, the World Trade uh, Centers. And on one occasion, I happened to be there at that observatory uh, platform, and guess who uh, wound up there? Guess who? Guess who? Come on. Benjamin Netanyahu. So I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, 
you know, these uh, cars pull up, and uh, these guys in all black suits, they were his bodyguards, jump out of their, uh, their limousines, and Benjamin Netanyahu and his wife steps out and is escorted up to this observatory platform. But before he ascended the steps, I had an opportunity to greet him. And it happened to be that I would, at that time I was teaching from a book of the Bible, and I'm not quite sure which one it was. I think it was either Ezekiel or Isaiah. I tried to figure this out this morning when I was writing these notes down. But anyway, I walked up to him. I don't know if that was a mistake or not, because all of a sudden these bodyguards just kind of lunged at me. You know, they didn't know what I wanted or who I, even who I was. But then I, I explained to him that I was a chaplain serving down at ground a zero. And I had mentioned that I had just shared this message and how that God anoints his people uh, to provide for them and to protect them. And then I went on to declare that I believed that God had anointed him to that end. And so he thanked me uh, for sharing that with him. And then I actually escorted him and his wife uh, up to the top of that platform as he viewed the devastation of what had taken place by that uh, attack. So listen, this very thing continues today. And listen, we need to pray for our, uh, uh, our new president, uh, Joe Biden, that God would anoint him and that through him that he would protect us, that he would provide for his people, that God would surround him with godly counselors, right? We need to pray for those who God has set and placed over us. It's not by chance. Well, anyway... Let's go back. Let's go on here now in verse uh, 13 of chapter 10. And then we are told, and when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. So after the enthusiasm of his meeting with the prophets, which was a part of the third confirmatory sign, after that passed, Saul knew that he would never be satisfied with a further communion without the Lord. And so instead of going straight home to see his father, what does he do? He ascends the hill to spend time in solitary reflection. Listen, that's the work of the Spirit. You know, I had the time to speak to uh, one of the sisters that's here this morning. And she said that, uh, I guess she had been attending another church, but I guess they hadn't opened yet. And so uh, she missed being able to gather together with other Christians in the same place to worship God. And I really appreciate that. And many people feel exactly that way. And it's okay for those who I'm not putting you guys down who are on, online, but that's just the way she felt. And, uh, and, but how do you explain that? It's that desire that God places within each and every one of us, that desire for fellowship, wanting to get together, to lift up our voices, to worship Him, right? To express our love and our thanksgiving for all that He has done and continues to do. Father's house, there's a place for me in my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of 1 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online. Just go to the resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com 
and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Would you like to connect with us on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today. And we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.